I have a, we have a staff member who is a former refugee and um, one time he, he was trying to explain to me what it's like to live in a refugee camp. And, um, and he said, you just can't understand the power of hope until you've been there. This is another episode of a special series called Enough for All of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. This series sheds light on 75 years of an NGO called CWS. My name is Mirit Bloom and I welcome you to another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Today's episode was recorded in January 2021, so the numbers uh, that are being mentioned by Ellen Andrews, our guest uh, of today's episode, have changed since then. And the same is for the title of Ellen, uh, who is at present the CWS Regional Director, US Mid-Atlantic. Hope you enjoy the show. Uh, good day, everybody. This is uh, another episode of a podcast about CWS. A wonderful colleague I have as a guest today, and I will ask her to introduce herself. Maurice, thank you so much for having me. My name is Ellen Andrews, and I am the North Carolina Area Director for Church World Service. So I oversee the refugee resettlement offices in Durham and Greensboro, North Carolina. Great. Um, and how, how many years have you been uh, with CWS, uh, Ellen? I have been working with CWS for 11 years now. Started on uh, September 3rd, 2009. Wow, wow. And, and do you still remember the first time that you heard about CWS? Was I it before? Or, or, it was uh, before then, okay. yeah. yeah. So I, um, I grew up in Durham and my elementary school used to do the crop walk. Um, so I remember, you know, my mom having like crop walk envelopes where she was, um, you know, fundraising and then turning it into the school. And then we would all go out and do the walk together. Um, and that was my, um, those are my, my, you know, memories of CWS that go the furthest back. Um, and when I started at the, um, the Immigration and Refugee Office in Durham, that office was pretty new. It opened in July of 2009 and, um, and I started in September. So I hadn't really realized at that point that, um, that CWS had uh, refugee and immigrant services in the mm -hmm. area, um, but I did recognize it from the crop walk. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's for me. It's fascinating because you know I grew up in the Netherlands. I didn't know anything uh, about the crop hunger walks until you know I came for the first time to uh, from the you know Indonesia as as the Indonesia rep to CWS to talk about our work in Indonesia, and then they said, "Oh, you have to visit, you know, our crop walks." And I said, "What is that?" And it it's, is. it's yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's so amazing, you know, these people that are have been walking for decades and more, and yeah. Um, 
yeah, volunteer volunteerism in general is is great. I think uh, feature of CWS and what we are about. Um, yeah, what what do you like about the work of CWS? Oh man, that is such a big question. And by the way, for our listeners, if you if you think like that, Ellen is a sounds like she's in a washing machine. She's not. It's her. It's a little dog under the table. No? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what do I like the most about CWS's work? Um, you know, I think um, when I think about my work with CWS and my role, mm-hmm. um, the part that uh, that keeps me going on the hardest days is just um, knowing the impact that resettlement has for um, the most vulnerable but most resilient people from around the world. I think that Mm -hmm. we're, um, you know, we're we're truly able to to open doors for for people who really need it. and give them an opportunity to to live a life that won't forever be defined by their circumstances. Um, when I think about our, our global work and, and the broader organization, I um, the part of our work that I, I guess I embrace the most closely is just our, our commitment to human dignity um, and to restoring hope for people and, and communities who really need it. Um, I have a, we have a staff member who is a former refugee and um, one time he, he was trying to explain to me what it's like to live in a refugee camp. Hmm. And, um, and he said, you just can't understand the power of hope until you've been there. Hmm. Um, And so I think that's what, um, that's my favorite thing about our work. Um, is having the ability to to try to share hope with people around the world. Yeah, you started to talk about you know what you are doing within CWS, and can you tell a little bit more, you know, to the listeners uh, how big is is the office that you're working at and. What are some of the things that that uh, you know you and your team are doing? Yeah, so um, I'll talk a little bit about the Durham office because I think it's easier yeah. to conceptualize one mm-hmm. location. Um, in Durham, we have about twenty team members. Um, we provide a whole host of different programs and services to refugees and other immigrants. So we do initial resettlement services where we help people find housing and get their feet on the ground in Durham. We provide um, employment services where we do job coaching and we teach people about interviews and resume building and we network with employers and um, encourage them to hire refugees. We have a large English language training program. So we have um, two to three English classes a day. And um, we also do job training classes um, for uh, refugees from all over the world. Um, We have a big immigration legal services program. So we uh, do citizenship applications, green card applications, um, DACA renewals, family reunification, um, immigration paperwork. We 
see about a thousand refugees a year um, through immigration legal services. Um, we have refugee community organizing, which is sort of leadership development with refugee leaders. So um, basically wanting to make sure that refugees and immigrants are equipped with the, the public speaking and interview skills to shape public narratives about refugees and immigrants. Um, we have uh, intensive medical and mental health case management program for um, refugees who um, have sort of social and um, other adjustment needs that kind of go above and beyond what you could sort of consider to be like normal, I guess, or, or kind of standard. Um, everyone has, you know, difficulty adjusting. Um, but for certain refugees who have a lot of trauma or are single parents, um, it can be even more difficult. And then we also, uh, over the last year and a half, um, have um, started a project where we are distributing cash assistance to undocumented immigrants um, who have experienced, um, first it was emergencies related to ICE activity or immigration detentions. Um, and early this year, we expanded those resources to include um, immigrants who had uh, experienced financial emergencies related to COVID. Um, so since Sorry, one quick question, because we also yeah. have listeners, you know, around the globe. What, what does ICE stand for? Sure. ICE is Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Mm. Um, and it is the a, a government agency involved in, they would say, protecting our borders. Mm -hmm. um, over the last few years, I'd like to put protection in quotes. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of their activity has involved actually um, just sort of tracking down immigrant community members um, at their jobs or at their homes or their kids' schools to try to find them and put them in immigration detention or even to deport them. Um, since we started uh, this project, we've issued to Durham residents, um, I think at this point, close to $150,000 in cash assistance. And um, since expanding to include the state of North Carolina in March, we're at close to $700,000 of financial assistance distributed to immigrants. Um, it's honestly been one of our, our proudest accomplishments this last year. Mm. Um, these are families who were left out of any federal um, stimulus relief. They weren't eligible for stimulus checks. Um, they haven't been able to access pandemic-related unemployment programs, um, but many of them are, are really, you know, integral um, components of keeping local economies, especially tourist economies, running. Mm -hmm. um, so as you can imagine, they've been really disproportionately impacted by um, pandemic-related economic issues um, and, and also the people who have been the least protected mm -hmm. um, by any federal relief packages. Um, you were talking about uh, the story of hope, you know, of, of what hope you're the, the, the ex-refugee uh, that told you the story. Uh, 50 years ago, you know, um, CWS produced a book to celebrate 50 years of church world service. And the title or the subtitle was 50 years of help and hope. Um, if you would be asked to write a book about 75 years of church world service, 
you know, what are some of the keywords that you would put in the title? This is such a good question. Um, honestly, I've been giving it some thought and still, mm. <laughs> still, still, um, you know, I, I think not to be repetitive, but I think mm -hmm. hope has to go in there. I mean, just to give credit to my colleague where it's due, right? Mm -hmm. um, you, you can't underestimate the importance of hope um, for what it does to power people through difficult mm -hmm. situations. Um, the word partners or partnership also comes to mind. Um, many of CWS's sort of most impactful projects around the world are projects where CWS's name isn't on it. Um, we are providing infrastructure and support for a local partner on the ground to do really important work. When I think about our, our local um, immigrant solidarity fund, the statewide cash assistance project, um, CWS holds funds and releases them to the recipients. Um, but all of the legwork identifying those people and getting the funds out to them is done by grassroots partners on the ground, um, many of which are, are organizations that are um, you know, so small they don't even have a 501c3. Um, they're just a few really, really dedicated volunteers who are committed to their communities um, and are you know, going above and beyond the call of duty every day to try to make things a little bit better. Um, and CWS has the ability to, um, to fill in the gaps and provide them with the support they need. So I think partners or partnership would be um, definitely another word that I would want to see in the title of our 75 year book. You know, when I'm asked to um, kind of describe the journey of Church World Service, I often say, well, you know, we started as a U.S. Christian organization trying to work ecumenically because we, you know, they thought these member organizations thought that together you can do more than apart. If I have to describe the organization now, I think, you know, we are much more global and interfaith. And if you hear me say that, you know, would you agree? Um, and if so, why? And if not which is perfectly fine, <laughs> you know, why, why not? Yeah, so the question is, would I agree that we are more global and interfaith at this yeah. juncture? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely would. You know, I think one of our, our values has always been um, non-proselytism and acceptance, inter, interfaith collaboration. Mm -hmm. um, truthfully, I often forget um, in some way that we are we are a faith-based organization. Um, I hope that doesn't sound terrible, but it's just because we have so many partners um, coming from so many different places um, that, you know, I think uh, Christian faith isn't necessarily central to the work we do. It's more um, shared values among people who, um, you know, who are concerned for morality and human rights and human dignity. Um, in our office, we partner really closely with a lot of universities, with um, uh, 
synagogues, mosques, um, Unitarian churches, uh, neighborhood groups um, that are very diverse in and of themselves. And, um, you know, we certainly hear from folks sometimes that their, their faith is a central piece of their calling and churches are close partners of ours as well. Um, mm -hmm. But it's fundamentally important to us that, um, you know, that, that our, our hallmark is that we're, we're open and accepting, um, not closed off in, in any way or, um, you know, kind of unique to a certain denomination or a certain religion. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I would like to continue kind of building on what you just said. Uh, well, you know, because you're actually also part of the process, you know, uh, we started this 75th anniversary also as a, as a time to look at our brand, you know, who we are and, and uh, you know, that goes to relatively simple things, or, although they are complicated, you know, changing the color of, of uh, you know, uh, of the logo. Um, or the logo, but also, uh, as you know, we have had a discussion about, um, you know, possibility of changing the name. Um, and what are your thoughts about that in terms of, you know, if church world service uh, would change its name uh, to something else? And well, you mean just for the audience, you know, one of the reasons um, that we are kind of considering it is because, you know, we have uh, challenges in you know, finding uh, the younger generation, you know, to, to support us, uh, especially if they find out that we are Church World Service. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, you know, the work that we do. Actually, they, that also, that definitely still resonates with all kinds of uh, people. So, yeah, what are your thoughts around, around that, uh, Ellen? I have very mixed feelings on it, honestly. Um, there are certainly um, spheres that we function in where having the word church in our name um, doesn't necessarily help. Um, so I will, you know, use our North Carolina offices as an example. Um, there are some funders in North Carolina that are looking at um, community organizing and systemic change. And I think there's sort of a, a long history and lots of connotations in this country of um, the church not always being a particularly progressive entity, right? Um, and so, you know, I, my experience in those circles is it hasn't, our name hasn't closed the door for us at all, um, but it has possibly made it slightly more difficult to get a foot in the door um, with certain audiences. Um, on the other hand, you know, Church World Service has a, a long history and, and an important history of partnership with churches. And, um, you know, and young people go to church too. And um, in those settings, the name Church World Service is a, a foot in the door. In a, in a setting where, you know, it, the opportunity may not otherwise be there. Um, a lot of folks in Durham know us as CWS. Um, they don't, you know, they may know what CWS stands for, um, but, but Durham is a pretty um, progressive city. Um, and uh, we, you know, 
with all of the different faith partners, interfaith partners, secular partners, we have CWS just seems to carry a little bit better than, Mm -hmm. um, than church world service does. Um, but there are certainly other settings where I always read out our name because, you know, I think it's very important to, to the setting and the people that we're coming to the table with. Um, so I don't know that I, you know, I think, um, there are lots of, of good reasons to, um, to make an argument for changing our name and to make an argument for Mm -hmm. keeping it. Um, I certainly have some feelings that, uh, you know, we, to change our name, changing our name would mean losing some traction um, and some, uh, some notoriety. Um, And uh, I'm not sure that the loss of that notoriety would be, you know, immediately made up through increased donations from younger donors. Mm -hmm. Um, We, um, the Durham office, you know, I think we have a lot of, a lot of donors who are, you know, millennials, um, younger folks. And uh, sometimes we, we, you know, are having conversations with, with those donors to just assure them that we don't require refugees to subscribe to a certain set of religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, But generally once that assurance is, is out there, um, there are no more questions and, and really no, I don't think any problems related to our name, I guess I would say. Okay. Yeah, no, no, thanks. And, and um, I mean, just for, for the listeners, I, I, you know, within that brand discussion, the, the fact that, uh, you know, we will continue to be a faith-based organization that, you know, that was never uh, a question, right? So it's really looking at the name. So going yeah. from churchful service to Popeye, which I always is, that's my go-to name for. <laughs> but, uh, you know, will not mean that we suddenly are not, sticking to the core values and why this organization was was set up Um, yeah it's kind of an existential question right it's like what's in a name you know yeah like yeah no no it is well i i also think you know for me what i appreciate uh about cws is i i think we are yeah i've never experienced that we are afraid to have a discussion about something so that's one and second for me um Everybody, wherever you go in CWS, you know, we feel that we are the owner of the organization, which is also actually great. Sometimes it's a little bit of a headache, but at the same time, it's also beautiful, you know, so that we are very passionate about, you know, what we do and what we stand for. So at least that's what I think. What do you want to say to to CWS uh, or what do you want to wish for, for, uh, for the organization? I have a couple of, of dream, hopes, dreams, wishes. Mm-hmm. Um, Go for it. You know, I think the first one is that we, we continue to do what we do best, pivot, stay relevant, and um, try to meet emerging needs around the world as we, as we see our ability to make a difference. And, you know, I think when you do this kind of work, uh, your, your background hope is always that one day you won't be needed anymore um, because the world will be such an amazing place with Mm. so many resources and opportunities for, for all of our people um, that, you know, we, we won't need CWS to be um, 
be bringing hope to people because they'll already have it. Um, and so, you know, I think that's always kind of my, my, my long-term future goal. Anytime I think about the organization or our office or, or new projects is, you know, we should be designing everything, um, with the ultimate hope that, um, that the change we're able to help facilitate is, is long-term and, and so meaningful that, um, you know, eventually maybe we won't even be needed anymore. Now I have to tell you, I don't know that I see that happening in the next 75 years based on where things stand now. Um, but maybe it could be my, my 150 or 300 year hope. You know, if, if you have to name one colleague or a partner or a partner organization, a supporter of CWS, who best embodies, according to you, what CWS is all about, who will you name and why? Yeah. Um, so I have a, a colleague in Durham who is a supervisor for the case management team. His name is uh, Sony Miragisi. And if I had to pick one person in all of CWS who best embodies CWS, mm. it would be Sony. Mm. Um, Sony is uh, originally from the Democratic Republic of Congo. He came to the U.S. in 2012 as a refugee, and he was resettled by CWS. Um, and he started to work with us um, a few months later as an interpreter, and then he was an AmeriCorps member, and then he became a staff member, and he's obviously still still with us mm -hmm. and um, able to continually be in new positions where he is able to exert more and more influence on, um, on our office and our community and the way we do work. And, um, you know, I, there are so many reasons that I would say Sony best embodies the work of CWS. Um, one is just the way he, he talks about how important CWS is to him and his family and um, what an important part CWS plays in their life story. Um, another one is that Sony is never shy about um, sharing with, with all of us what an honor he finds it to work for CWS and um, you know, and, and I feel the same way. Um, mm -hmm. Whenever he, he says those things, I always think, yeah, what an honor um, to, to, to be able to do this work and meet all these amazing people and play such a tiny role in, in their incredible stories. Um, and, you know, the other thing about Sony is um, one of the, our, our team will often sort of comment that Sony, Sony is CWS. Mm. Um, he knows everybody, <laughs> everybody knows him. Um, everybody knows that he works for CWS. Um, he is an integral component of our office and our relationships with refugees in the community. And, um, you know, the other thing, the other reason I would say that is because, um, we, uh, jokingly, but seriously, always, um, folks will say, you know, Sony loves CWS. Um, Sony, uh, proudly wears a CWS vest 
um, several days a week. And um, I'm always, you know, on the hunt for CWS swag um, that Sony might want. Um, I, you know, appreciate everything about him so much. Um, and, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of, of wearing your heart on your sleeve, um, except Sony's, the, the heart that he's wearing on his sleeve is a CWS logo. Um, but it's, it's really an honor to have him as a colleague. I mean, he's an amazing, incredibly intelligent, determined, um, really just special person. Mm -hmm. Um, and of all the CWS people I know, the one who best embodies the spirit of, of CWS is Sony. Great. Thanks. Thanks for that. So Sony would probably be very upset if we changed the name and the logo of, uh, because <laughs> all, all the merchandise he has to get rid of. He, he'll just have new new merchandise and throwback <laughs> merchandise. Throwback CWS you're, you're, merchandise. You're right. Yeah, vintage, vintage <laughs> stuff. Um, hey, yeah, a little bit different question. If, if, there is, um, if I ask you to mention a song or a piece of music um, that captures how you think or feel about CWS, you know, what would you tell me? A piece of music. If I think of one, I'm going to get back to you. I have never okay. given that any thought. I have to be honest. Okay. <laughs> there, is, there is not a song when you come into the office that's often in your in your head. So. No. Yeah, no. Okay. Probably some sort of, in our office and in the kinds of uh, crazy days we have, probably something, you know, mm -hmm. the, the Rocky theme song or something. <laughs> <laughs> And, and why would it be, you know? You know, we, our, yeah. our work is so fun, um, mm -hmm. but it's full of really unpredictable days mm -hmm. and lots of crazy things that happen. I mean, when you, um, you know, are sort of, it's, it's nonprofit work, I think, mm -hmm. is often high-paced and hectic anyway. And when you add a lot of different languages and, and cultural backgrounds into the mix, um, mm -hmm. you're sort of constantly running into unexpected situations and that's what we love about our work i mean it's fun mm -hmm. it's um sometimes stressful sometimes funny um it's you know on a daily basis we have the opportunity to to bond with people from all over the world about mm -hmm. how crazy we all are how crazy america is um you know yeah. what all is going on um but it's also it's it can be really really nuts and really hectic and mm -hmm. um some days it just kind of feels like all right you know like what's next <laughs> can you share an anecdote or an experience which best describes your time with cws or you know a memory that you have yeah i i have a good a good story um several years ago we um, resettled a family, um, and uh, shortly after they got here, um, the mom had a medical emergency, um, and I, I took her to the emergency room with her um, with her adult daughter. And she was not um, super sick, uh, so of course we were there, you know, for like twelve hours. 
Um, and uh, we were just kind of, of chatting and, you know, passing the time. And I, they were asking me about myself and I, I showed them a picture of, of my dog uh, at the time, this is several years ago. Um, and in this picture, he was sleeping in his little doggy bed. And, um, and so the mom and uh, her daughter were asking me, you know, questions about him and, um, and how I got him. And, um, I told them he was adopted, that he was an adopted dog. And they started laughing and laughing at me and, and they said, oh my gosh, you know, in Africa, we adopt children and in America, you adopt dogs. And, um, and then, you know, and they saw this picture and they said, oh my gosh, in Africa, we had 10 people living in our house and we had one bed and this little dog, he has his own bed in America. And, um, and I thought, gosh, you know, when you, yeah, when you say it like that, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, and we, we were laughing, you know, Uh they, they thought it was very funny and, um, it was, it's an amazing memory of mine, but the part that has always stuck with me is that, um, a couple of years later, I, we didn't see this family a lot. They were doing really well. They were out living their lives and, you know, in, in, in our work, when people are doing really great, um, they're not coming into our office all the time. And that's a good thing. Um, they're supposed to be living their new lives. And so a couple of years later, I hadn't seen this family in quite some time. And, um, uh, she bumped into one of my colleagues um, at her work or something. I don't remember where. And um, she asked them how I was doing. And um, and my colleague happened to mention to her, I, I don't know all the details of the conversation, but mm-hmm. um, my colleague happened to mention to her that my dog had passed away recently, this little mm-hmm. dog that she had seen pictures of. And um, I'll just never forget that the next day she came to the office and um, she asked for me. And when I showed up, she wrapped me up in a huge hug. And she said, "Um, Mandy told me about your dog. And I just want to let you know that I'm so sorry because he was your baby and I know how much you loved him. And, um, you know, it, it meant so much to me because I, it was this woman knowing a lot about her story has suffered a tremendous amount of loss in her lifetime. Um, family members, you know, her, her entire home, her country, um, her, um, her, her belonging. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and I just remember thinking at the time, like, this is how, this is the absolute best of humanity that you, um, have been through everything you've been through and that you still went so far out of your way Mm. to come to the office and give me a hug to tell me that you're sorry that my dog died. Um, and I've never, you know, I, I always, Anytime I feel sort of disappointed in humanity, (laughs) 
um, or the things that people people will do to each other um, that are awful. Um, I always recall that moment where I just felt like, you know, this, like this is what is the absolute best of the best of us. Um, and, you know, maybe not everyone has, has is this good, right? <laughs> um, but we do, we have this incredible power to, um, to be good to one another and to, to have these incredibly deep feelings of, of compassion and support for other people. Um, and, you know, it was just a powerful, like a powerful moment um, and, a, and such a reminder of, of how I can pay that forward and continue to try to put good out into the world, you know, every day in every interaction that I have with everybody. Yeah, I, I, I was not answering because, you know, for me, that doesn't need anything from me. I mean, your story is so <laughs> clear. Um, so I will not, you will not hear anything on the podcast. But now I would like to say, you know, if, yeah, I mean, if you have to explain to someone, can you define empathy to me, then I will just play this, you know, what you just uh, told me. Um, yeah, thank, no, thanks for sharing uh, Ellen, thank you so much for for uh, you know your willingness to talk with me and and um, yeah share your your uh, beautiful stories and experiences and also thank uh, thank you for who you are and what you do. Um, yeah, as always, it's it's a pleasure to meet with you. You know, although it's virtually now. Um, yeah, th thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Great. Do you see you? Do you see me? Will you be the eyes so that we all can be? Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you want to know more about Church World Service, please check out cwsglobal.org. Thank you.